We are in week four out of five in this series that we've been calling ROI. And the term ROI stands for return on investment, and it's normally associated with the financial world, but I think it's good for us to think through here at the beginning of the year, at the beginning of 2018, it's good for us to think through where are we investing our, our love, our, our time, our energy, our money, where do all these things go and what kind of return can we in, expect on all those kind of investments? For the last couple of weeks, I've been talking about relationships. So we talked about just three weeks ago, we started and said, let's talk about the investment God has made in us and how he's made the first move towards us and, and how should we respond to, to his love towards us. And then in, in, in the last two weeks, we've talked about our relationship with other people and in how we serve other people. And then our relationship last week, we talked about just our relationship with others and being in community together and how we love one another and kind of be in, in a group and in a family together. And so we've been talking about our investments we make in relationships. And today, I want to talk about our investments that we make with money, which is usually what we associate the term ROI with. You, you invest money like in the stock market. You buy the stock and then you hope that it goes up. You hope that it makes more and you're hoping that I invested this much and I'm going to get back a, a certain amount. Apparently, the stock market has been very good lately. I don't, I'm not a person who invests a lot there or spends a lot of energy on that, but I, I read somewhere the other day that it's basically up over the last year like 28%. So if you invest in the stock market and you put money there, which is maybe 50% of people in America, um, it's going very well for you. And to you, I would say dilly dilly. Uh, great. It's, yes, thank you. It's just great. It's exciting. Uh, I'm glad that's going well, but I wanted us to think even further about, about this idea of investing because it's not just putting money in retirement accounts and things like that. Really, anywhere you put money is an investment. You expect some sort of return no matter where you lay out your money. So if you spend money on rent, you expect the roof to stay there. You expect the appliances to work, and you expect that if anything breaks, you're going to call the landlord. If you buy your own house, you expect that you are going to take care of it, and there's no one to call when things break, like my washing machine broke this morning. This is a fresh illustration here. So you go, oh, okay, this is my responsibility. But you're, there's an expectation when I slap down money for a mortgage every month that I'm putting that money in, I'm investing in the house because I want a return on that. I want it to do something for me. Same thing with food. When you buy food, you're making an investment in your health. You may not think of it that way, but you are. So you want to be very careful how you're investing there because of the return that you're going to get on spending that money. You buy good food and, and good fuel for your body. That's better for you. You buy junk food. That's not going to be as good for you, right? So you want to be very careful. And, and I try to be careful in laying out money except for those dark chocolate-covered acai berries. Those are awesome, and, and, it, and, none, and they don't count in, in this whole conversation. Um, but you gotta, you gotta put money, when you put money into food, you gotta think of that as like, that's an investment. And it's true with, with really everywhere that you're spending your money, you are investing it somewhere. You're, you're, you're putting it out there and expecting some sort of return on that. And so I wanna talk about those investments, about where our money goes, uh, because it, it's actually a huge part of our lives. When, when you say, oh, let's talk about money, there's certainly always people who are like, I don't wanna talk about money, not in church. Um, and I understand that, but, but I think for the most part, when you talk about money, there's no one in the room that's like, ah, who cares about that? Like, ah, it's so irrelevant, money. You know, like, no, it's like something we're all dealing with, and it's an important thing. It's not everything, but it's an important thing, and we need to look at where it goes and why, uh, because uh, it, it, it's, it goes very deep inside of us. 
And God cares about the things that are deep inside of us. And so if we're going to build our relationship with God, we need to talk about money as well. It's, it's hugely important, and it always has been. In fact, Jesus taught on money a ton, and I want to point you to one thing he says in his famous Sermon on the Mount. Listen to what he says about money and, and heart here. He says this in Matthew 6, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. I think we could all figure out what those are, right? Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and, when, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you've been to Area 10 for a year or more, probably you've heard me talk about this. This is, this is a really key text, and we, and we talk about it uh, from time to time. Jesus always makes this connection between money and heart. And I really think at, at the heart of his teaching here, he's bringing this idea front and center into your lives. Money is a heart issue. Money is a heart issue. That's what he is trying to teach us in this. And that's not a truth that we acknowledge very often. We kind of believe that money is, a, is something other than a heart issue. We sort of act like money is a, a, a left brain, Excel, spreadsheet, budgeting, accounting sort of issue, right? It's, no, money's like a rational dollars and cents. You track it, it's, it's, it, you know, this much comes in, that much goes out. We, we sort of think of it in this sort of left brain way, like a non-emotional thing. But the reality is money's more than that. It goes deeper into us than that. It is a heart issue as Jesus teaches us. This is why when marriages break up and they fight over money, what, why, why does that happen? Well, because money's a heart issue. Um, this is why when, when uh, dad dies and leaves an inheritance to, to the kids and they start fighting amongst each other about the inheritance, why does that happen? Well, because money is a heart issue. This is why a very wealthy person in a high-up corporation can, in addition to making a lot of money, embezzle money from the corporation. Why would you ever do that? Why does that happen? Well, because money's a, a heart issue. This is why if your account is overdrawn and you find out and you get a little push notification from the app or whatever it is, and he's like, hey, there's this amount and then you don't have it. You, like, you spent this and you don't have that money. There's something in you, like it sinks into your gut, right? It's not just like, oh, let me logically think through that. There's just something that hurts inside because money is a heart issue, it's why you make financial goals every year and you really, really care about trying to hit them. I want to do this. I want to get this job. I want to get this career, whatever, because these things matter to us. Money is, is a heart issue. And Jesus, and one of the reasons I think his teachings have endured for millennia is he's so good at this. He goes, look, I know how you're made. I know how you're wired up because I wired you up. I made you. I'm the creator. I understand your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength, your body, all that. I understand how that works together. And here's what I'm telling you. Your money and your heart are linked. And so you can't address one without addressing the other. If you're going to talk about money, you're talking about your heart. If you're going to talk about your heart, you eventually have to talk about money. These things are, are, are tied in together. And so what do, what do we do with that? If the, if the truth is that where your money goes, your heart is going there with it, what, what can be done about, about that? Two things that are, uh, one's probably really obvious, but number one is you can track your money. Find out where it goes. Keep track of it. Use an app. Use a spreadsheet. Use whatever. Reconcile a checking account. Go old school and like write it into a little ledger in a checkbook. Whatever you've got to do. There's lots of great ways to do it. But track your money. If, if, if your money is a reflection of where your heart is going, you probably need to know where your heart is going. Tracking your money is maybe one of the most financially responsible things you can do. It's also like, we'll call it like health, heart healthy. 
It's a heart-healthy thing you can do. Probably one of the most heart-healthy things you can do, that and like staying away from cholesterol. But like that, uh, it, it, it'll change you. So, so first, just track it. If you haven't gotten on a system to do that, and like maybe this is your week, like say, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow this more closely. Sure, so number one, track your money. But the, the second thing I think you could do in this money-heart connection is actually give money away. Actually be generous um, and, 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 and give money away regularly and, and consistently. This helps you to be uh, what, we, what we would call like tight-fisted versus open-handed. It'll help you to be open-handed and not be tight-fisted because when you're tight-fisted around money, around so many things, you tense up and it, and it adds a lot of stress to you. And if you generously give money away, it's actually good for you. Now, you may sit here and think, oh, a preacher at a, at a church is telling me that I should be generous with money and give it away. Of course he's going to say that. Uh, he basically works for a nonprofit that survives off the generosity of its donors, that kind of thing. And you can, you can say all that if you want. But it's not just me saying that giving money away and generosity is good for you, that there's a great return on, on, the, on the investment of generosity. Other people are saying that too that aren't affiliated with church at all. In fact, there was a, a really interesting study came out. A, a woman named Liz Dunn did this study, and she gave people $10, a bunch of people $10. And she said... And, and, and tested stuff in the brain, right? And so she said, here's this $10. I want you to spend it however you want. If you want, you can give it away or you can spend it on yourself and you can do whatever. And so she gave all these people this money. And what they found out is the people who gave the money away, didn't spend it on themselves, but gave the money away, tested as happier than the people who had spent the money on themselves. So the people who spend the money on themselves think, I'm going to buy this thing, I'm going to really enjoy that. No, the people who tested out happiest ended up uh, were the ones who had given the money away. And, 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 it, and it's not just happiness. It actually, the test showed a lower, lowering of cortisol levels in the blood, which, which is related to stress and anxiety. And so basically they said, hey, this is one of the first studies we found that, that say that giving money away is really helpful for your long-term health, for lowering your, your stress uh, and, and anxiety levels. And I thought, man, that's, that's, that's really fascinating. Now, my guess is, an assumption I'm going to make about you, my guess is you want to be generous. You want to give money away. You want to be known as a generous person, but not just in reputation. You want to actually be that person. You want it, you want it to be that one day at your funeral, people are like, this guy would have given you the shirt off of his back. You know how people say that? I don't, I, does anyone do that? I but we say that at funerals, right? Oh, the shirt off his back. I'm like, I want him to keep his shirt on. I think that would have been. But, you know, we say that thing about, or say, man, she was just so generous. She was such a giver. We say that kind of thing. And, and my guess is about you, that you want someone to say that about you at your funeral someday. You want to live the kind of life that is marked by being a giver and is marked by being generous. Um, I, I want that. And my guess is you want that too. And I actually think that, that concept of generosity and, and being a giving person is stamped into us by our creator. See, one of the main doctrines, main ideas in Christian theology is that God created us in his image, which means we don't look like God, but morally and sort of ethically and our values are stamped with his image up upon us, our character. Um, we are drawn towards him. And, and one of the things we know about God is that God is a giver for God so loved the world that he gave. God is a generous God who gives us good gifts to enjoy this, this creation, all its beauty and, and, and every breath that we take and, and relationships and all these things God delivers to us because he's generous and he's good and he's a giver, and we're created in that image. 
And so we're called to be generous and good and, be, and to be givers as well as we learn to follow him and, and, and be near him and, and, and know him more. So my assumption is you want to be generous. Um, it, I believe God has given you that noble desire. But my other assumption is that you probably find it hard at times to be generous, especially when it comes to money. You can be generous with your time and your energy, but when it comes to money, it can be really difficult to be generous because something about money gets lodged in our souls. Something about money can get its hooks into us and, and it becomes very, very difficult. Like if I said to you right now, I said, hey, starting tomorrow, start giving away 10% of your money. Just give it away. Some of you are already doing that, so you're like, done. I, I, finally, I came to church and I can check the box off before he even said anything, like I've done the thing. Other people, uh, I think the average American churchgoer gives like 2.5% of their income away or whatever. So for other people, if I said 10%, right now, you're just running the math. I make four grand a month, that's $400. <gasps> There's something inside us that freaks out at that idea. Man, this is, this is like, this gets real, right? This is getting close to, not the checkbook, we're getting close to the heart when we have that conversation because our heart is connected to our money. The idea of giving away money is easy, easy to think about. A little bit harder to do though, right? A little bit harder to actually set up a system and intentionally give money away. And, and often where we go when we freak out about giving money away is we, we go to this idea that we think money is connected to ability. If I had money, then I could give it away. It's actually not true. And I want to show you in the scripture. The apostle Paul wrote a letter to a church in the city of Corinth. He wrote two letters. They're in, recorded for us in the New Testament called First and Second Corinthians. And in the church in Corinth, uh, he writes them some encouragement about their giving and about their generosity. And there's a couple tech passages in here that I think are really powerful. And I want you to hear this. Listen to what he says in, 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 um, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, starting with verse 1. He, he says this, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches in Macedonia. He's talking about another group of churches. It's like, for in a severe, listen to this, for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. Now, this is crazy if you think about it. Paul says, hey, these churches in Macedonia, they were giving, they're under a test of affliction. We don't exactly know what that is, but they're going through a hard time. Maybe it's a famine, maybe it's whatever. They're going through a hard time, and out of their extreme poverty, they decided to be generous. How is that even possible? How can you do that? Well, number one is this, generosity is not dependent on ability. It's not about how much you make, because we think, oh, I will be generous when I get promoted. I will be generous when I get a bonus. I will be generous when I start that job or when this happens. When all these things fall into place, then I will be generous. But the reality is, if you're not generous now, you probably won't be then either. Because it's not actually dependent on ability. It's not dependent on if I just have enough, then I can be generous. It's a matter of of the heart. It's connected. It's not connected to how much you make. It's connected to how much you want to give, how much, how, how generous you want to be. I, I always think about this when I see like, uh, you know, celebrities or someone gives a million dollars and you see like, oh, Stephen King, you know, the author, he gave a million dollars for this library to be built in Maine or whatever. 
And you're like, that's great, you know, that's, that's awesome. Like, and I think that's great for him. I'm glad he, I'm glad he did that. But I also think, like, man, is that, is that actually generous? Because that dude probably makes a ton of money, right? So, so is it possible that you could give a lot of money away and not be generous? Or you could give not much money away and actually be very generous? Like there's something actually truly in your heart going on there that, that generosity is flowing out of you. So Paul looks at these other churches, Macedonian churches, and he's like, look, even in their affliction, even in the hard times, they were generous because generosity is not dependent on ability. In fact, number two, generosity is dependent on attitude. Let me go back to that verse three. It says this, for they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. So here are these believers of Macedonia, and they're sitting there going, Paul, can we please give to help other people? Please let us be generous. That's an attitude that of the heart. They're not, he's, like, and he, he's clear to say it's not because they have tons of money. They're in a hard spot. They're asking to give beyond because they realize, and we've talked about this before, but they realize that there is a blessing in giving. That it, it, when you give, and Jesus taught this, when you give to others, it doesn't just help them. When you give to the church or the, some nonprofit or a cause you care about or, or your friend, it doesn't just help them. It helps you. Science is backing that up, right? Jesus taught it thousands of years ago. It changes you when you're generous. And these Macedonian Christians are sitting there going, man, please let us do this. Um, and I, I'm not going to let the hard times prevent me from blessing other people because it's about attitude, not about ability. Here's another truth tied into it. Verse five, continuing on, it says, and this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. So there was something about these Macedonian Christians where they, where they said, all right, my priority first is with God. And secondly, um, it's, it's to serve and, and bless other people. Which gets me to this third idea. Generosity flows out of a relationship with God. You see that all throughout Scripture. We're told to, you know, love our neighbor. We're told to, uh, you know, follow these commandments. We're told to fast. We're told to pray. We're told to serve. We're told to give. These things are not rooted for Christians. These are not rooted in rule following, keeping the law, checking the boxes. These things are rooted in God has been generous to you and loves you. You flow that out to other people. The the idea of generosity is rooted in relationship, not in laws, not in keeping the rules and doing the things right to please God. It is, God has loved me, therefore I will love others, even, even with my money. And so it's supposed to flow that way. And we talked about this a few weeks ago. God has died for you. We talked about blue chip God a couple Sundays ago. God has uh, loved you and died for you. Now you go and give and serve and be generous with others. Now there's an investment idea here. I think if you could put a couple verses underneath this entire series, these might be the ones. In, in chapter 9, over one chapter, listen to what he says Uh, in in verse 6. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work, as it is written. He has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures 
uh, forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Now, let me be clear on this. He's not saying, man, if you just give God, like, this sounds like a television preacher, right? Like, you just give God $100, and he's going to give you 1000 Like, I'm not, I'm not saying there's, like, that you give God X, and he gives you X squared back in return or anything like that. I'm saying when you are generous, you will be blessed. And when you lean into generosity, God rewards that in some way and, and, and blesses that. I don't know all of exactly how that works in every situation. I just know it's true. And I think there's something in us that just gets generosity, that we understand this principle, that, if I, that there's a return on me giving. You, you regret purchases. You regret that sweater you bought. You regret the car you bought that was terrible. I'm regretting a washing machine this morning. Like, we regret purchases of things, but you don't regret generosity. You're not like, man, I should have never gave money to help that kid in Columbia last year through the Compassion Project. What a waste on that brat, right? You don't say that. You're not like, oh, I gave money for that food project the church did last year. What a waste that was. I mean, why, why did we do that? Why did we help people with food? No, you don't regret generosity. You regret some bad purchases maybe that didn't deliver, but you don't regret generosity. So giving, when you give at this church and you support the work that God is doing here, we pass buckets every week. Lots of people give online um, you know, through their app or whatever. When you do that, where does that go? Well, let me, let me just tell you real quick how, how money sort of flows here. And I don't talk about this hardly at all, so I just wanted you to hear a couple things. Um, last month, and I told you this last couple weeks, in addition to a regular offering that people gave here, in addition to giving to the Beyond campaign, people gave above and beyond all of that and gave $50,000 to, to get 40,000 meals packaged and, and, and distributed throughout the Richmond region. And then we gave some money to feed more just so they can do more of it. And then we gave some money to our partner in Vietnam so they could purchase water buffalo. So we've bought water buffalo, guys. I don't, I don't know if you're in that market, but it's hot right now. Um, so we're, and uh, for some families that are, that are there, that are in relationship there uh, to, to support their, their agricultural work. Um, and when you give money to the church, uh, 5% of, of it goes into church planting. Area 10 helped sponsor six, char- six churches that were started in the Mid-Atlantic in 2017, up in Frederick, Maryland, and, and in uh, Columbia Heights in D.C., uh, down near Raleigh. There's six churches that were planted because we helped do that. 5% of all giving helped go towards that. In addition to that, uh, we've given thousands and thousands of dollars away. Uh, we give money away every month to local nonprofits that we partner with who are doing great work here in the city, and we want to support them. We want to bless them. We want to send them time, money, energy, volunteers. We want to get involved in, in the fight against human trafficking, in, in the public schools, and doing work there, uh, in, in foster care, doing a ton of work there. Like We are involved in a lot of organizations, and we give a percentage of our money away to that. In addition to that, we give to people who, who are in our church, who have a financial need. If they're struggling, we're like, man, they're hitting hard times, and they've always been connected here. We're like, hey, we'll, we'll help you out. And, and, and make sure you're taken care of. And you see that kind of thing in the ancient church. You see it in our church as well. So we give money, so money goes that way. In addition to that, we uh, spend money here locally. We spend rent money in this room right now, which you go, well, you gotta have a place to meet. You gotta have rent. True, but this money doesn't go to the AMC Theater in Denver. This goes to the Bird Theater. And we help the Bird Theater, which often has financial struggles and all that. We're helping the Bird to fulfill its mission and do its thing, even with our rent money here. We support Cartwheels and Coffee. We started a business that blesses uh, moms, dads, caretakers with little children. That that business is, is 
happening every day of the week, uh, except Sundays when we're in there. But Monday through Saturday, it's going on. There's lots of families and people connecting there. And that business is a blessing to this community. Generally, it's financially self-supporting. It doesn't pay rent. The church pays that for the business. And uh, that's been, that's been a, a, an incredible thing. We're, we're getting a new building. Um, we bought property next to Cartwheels and Coffee. We are renovating that. I haven't updated you about, up that, about that in about a month. But I will tell you, uh, that uh, we signed a contract with the builder this week to get started on construction. And so they're following up and getting the permit from the city, and then they're going to get started here in the next week. And so uh, super excited about that. I know that seems like um, a long time, and believe me, I felt every day of how long it's taken to get to this week. Um, but I'm super excited that is going forward and that is getting started and there will be a building there that we can use for more children's, more youth space, office space, and meeting space for community connections all throughout the week. And I'm really excited about what we can do in Carytown through, through that space. Um, this is your return on investment when you invest in Area 10. There's just a lot of good things going on. But here's the reality. Most people at our church don't give to the church because they've checked all the boxes and think that the money is spent so well and I support this cause and this cause and this cause. The people who give most generously to our church do so because they believe that money is a heart issue and they believe that they're called by God to be generous. That's it. Our church, yes, this is where they serve, this is where they're involved, yeah, they'll give here. But they believe that the most generous people believe that I need to intentionally, sacrificially give my money away. And so they, they, they feel that, that tug from God, and, and they go. Um, so how can you be more generous? Number one, get your finances straight, track them. Um, a lot of times our finances are a mess. It's not even something they teach. I feel like we don't learn it in school. You kind of hit adulthood. You, you, oftentimes you land in adulthood with a mass of school loans, and then you're like, good luck, you know, and, and then you have to go into a job market and all that, and, and you need to get that stuff straight. We are launching Financial Peace University next month, and I really want you to take advantage of it. Lots of people in this room have been through Financial Peace. It helps you get a plan and get sorted out. It was huge for my wife and I. We went through it in 2010 here. Uh, really good stuff there. I want you to hear from two people who took Financial Peace. Check out this video, and you can see uh, a little bit about it. One thing that was really impactful about FPU was this concept of the envelope system and you come up with a budget at the beginning of each month. You put your cash budget into envelopes sorted by category. Then whenever you need to use something, you go to your envelope, say, that's how much money I have for this thing. It really helped us think differently about money and about what the value of a dollar is. Um, and like handing the cashier a $100 bill versus swiping your card just means so many different things. We also learned about the importance of paying off debt right away. We paid off 75% of our debt already. For a year of that, I was still in school, um, so we made huge sacrifices to pay off as many student loans as we could during that time. There's this concept in Dave Ramsey about going after your debt with gazelle-like intensity. It basically just means to stay laser-focused on your goal. Getting into that habit when we were just about to be married and then starting off our marriage with those values set in place and being on the same page helped us stay focused on our goal of working to get out of debt as quickly as possible. And it's going to help lay our foundation for our marriage and our future. We also started tithing for the first time of either of our lives after taking Dave Ramsey. And it's been really awesome to just put God first. Before we took the class, we kind of gave intermittently as we felt like we were able to, but putting 
putting a tithe first has helped us um, stay committed to that goal as well. And I think there's this concept that um, Dennis told us about, like an open hand concept that when you have your hand open to give, it's also open to receive. So even though giving at first felt hard, like we were losing a chunk of our money each time, it still ended up having benefits for us that we couldn't imagine beforehand. Mm -hmm. So Dave Ramsey's videos and book were very helpful, but we also have some great financial gurus in this church, and we couldn't have done it without the help and guidance from Dennis and Dom as well. And um, we just made lots of great connections with other people and learned a whole lot about how to get our finances in order. So you can sign up for that through uh, our website or through the app or maybe write it on your connection card, say we'll get you connected in with that um, if you want to take that class. It's, it's really fantastic and, and will really help you work through all of it so that you can be who God is calling you to be with your finances. Um, here's the reality with money. For us, um, money equals security. Money equals I need to just take care of me and mine and make sure that I'm not a burden to anybody and all of that kind of stuff. And I need to stockpile for retirement and, and all of that. And, I, and I'm not against you know, saving up money or anything like that. Um, but we think that holding on to money tightly is going to bring us security and happiness. And the reality is the opposite is true. Um, being generous will bring you um, the happiness that you think uh, holding on to or spending on yourself will, will get you. And so I'm inviting you in this into a, a deeper level of faith. This is why it's a heart issue. Um, it, we get scared. I, I love the lyrics, the last song we sang before, before I got up here. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Do, do we believe that? Or is that like something you sing and you go, that's nice. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Is that true? Is it true in the way you live your life? Is it true in the way you express your faith? Is it true in the way you spend your money? Is it true in the way you invest your dollars? That you're not afraid? That you're willing to lean in? That you're willing to take a risk? Um, as I've been talking to you about this this morning, here's, here's a little check-in, all right? Here's something I want you to think about as you leave today. What has your heart been telling you? What has your heart been telling you as I've been talking are you building up all the counter-arguments to everything I'm saying in your heart and in your head while I'm talking? Because that's really where it's at, right? Um, and, and if you have been, if you've been building up the counter-arguments, all that, just check in on that and go, just notice that. Like, what's going on in there inside of me as we talk about money? Um, I think if you look at that stuff and sort of pick up the rock and look at the stuff underneath, uh, I think you'll see that, man, money, as Jesus taught, money is a heart issue. And, and so just notice that and ask God to do work inside you here. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the resources that you bless people with, for, for jobs, for ways of uh, making income. And God, I pray that we have the mindset that we are blessed to bless other people. We, are, we have been given so that we can give to others and not so that we can just hold on to it all with a tight fist ourselves. Help us to be generous people who give and serve um, and, and honor you, not just with words, not with songs, not with prayers, not just with our lips, but with our actions and our hands and feet and, and the way we live and, the, and even the way we spend. 
Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.